This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I want you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership, the, the, the mothership. Let's go Happy Wednesday to you, North America. The mothership has connected. Welcome aboard. It's the four-hour Big Bang Barbecue. DA with you from the CBS Sports Radio studios in New York City. Broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border. Anchorage to Atlanta, Des Moines, D.C., Kalamazoo, and Waterloo Way are on the air. Hey, listening, D.A., everything we say in D.A., everything. Thanks so much for being with us, everybody. Appreciate you dropping on by. Good show lined up for you this morning. A lot of NFL heading into week number three in 20 minutes. Who's to blame with Justin Fields not elevating to the next level. In 40 minutes, a Wednesday staple, a champ and a chump. Later on in the show, NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Charles McDonald will join us here on the program. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys as Dallas begins 2-0, a sweep of the New York teams. Barely broke a sweat doing it. 40 to nothing in week number one over the Giants. 30 to 10 on Sunday over the Jets. And this week should be another easy victory. The Cowboys travel to Phoenix to take on the lowly Arizona Cardinals. Although, let's face it, the Cardinals have shown more pluck than most would have assumed coming into the season, specifically the Wizard, who's been against them twice and lost twice. It's the Wizard of Ads. Either way... Cowboys are feeling good and doing well. well. I feel good and I'm doing well. Micah Parsons yesterday with Pat McAfee talking about how special this team is. They are rolling right now. And that since they're all comfortable with one another coming out of last season, this is set up for a wagon of a type season. Okay. So they should go to 3-0. and They're a big favorite this weekend over Arizona. But does beating the Giants, the Jets, and the Cardinals really tell us how good or great the Cowboys are? When will we really know 
who the Cowboys are. It is where we begin. You're cold open. Ball near the left hash. Prescott in the gun. Back is on his left. Snap goes back. Looking to his left. Looking, looking. Checks it down. Ferguson at the one. Leans over the pylon. Touchdown. Go to Arizona and get win number three. Simple as that. Uh, that's where our focus is. That's who we are right now. That's all we're focusing on. Um, Carpe Omnia and staying in the moment right now. And that's, that, that's as simple as that. We know what we can get to. We know who we are. Um, but it's about attacking each and every day, our preparation, um, and we're not going to get any further than Arizona. And I think that's how we continue this rhythm. I mean, we're off to an outstanding start. Uh, I, you know, the, the pressure and the takeaways are, you know, at, 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 you know an, an incredible level after, after two games. So, um, but, you know, I, I, this, this group has, has taken it up a notch, clearly, uh, from last year. Um, you know, I think from top to bottom, uh, not only are you know our, our veteran players, but our younger players are, are really contributing. Yeah, it just means that you're improving. Everything, you, those little things you talk about, finishing games, closing them out, smothering people, um, not giving them that hope and dream that they could come back in this game and think they're on the same playing field as us. That's that's the type of uh, things you want to see, not the the constant repetition. That means you're not learning. So, I'm very happy where we're at right now. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. You heard Brad Sham on Cowboys Radio with your play-by-play. Dak, head coach Mike McCarthy, and Mike Parsons. A lot of power rankings at this point in time done around the NFL by observers and media have the Cowboys as the best team in the NFL, if not one of the top two or three teams in the NFL. And undoubtedly, They're a good team, and inarguably, they had two very impressive wins. But, I mean, it means nothing. Those two wins mean nothing, and they really don't tell us how great this squad can be, and I'm hearing a lot of the same rhetoric around the Cowboys and within the Cowboys that gets them into trouble every year, thinking that they've won the Super Bowl in September, that somehow a blocked field goal for a touchdown And a pick six in route to a destruction of the Giants who played like absolute slop is an indicator of how great they are. You're not going to get blocked field goals for touchdowns. And yes, while turnovers have been great for the Cowboys through the first two games, as McCarthy talks about, let's not put the wagon before the horse. Because game one, everything went to hell in a handbasket in the first quarter and the second quarter for the Giants. And the rest of the night was just Meaningless. Week two, you played Zach Wilson. I mean, there really is no true indicator of how good this team is yet. Now, we'll get it shortly, but it's going to be a few weeks. They've got the Cardinals this week, and they'll probably destroy the Cardinals by three touchdowns. And once again, everybody in Dallas will be making their Super Bowl plans. The following week, they have the Patriots at home. They should destroy the Patriots. As we've seen New England, an 0-2 team, they should not win that game. Following that, okay, now we've got a real litmus test. They travel to San Francisco to take on the Niners. That's a Sunday night football game. Niners, Cowboys, week four. Now we're starting, or week five, now we're starting to understand who the Cowboys truly are. After that, they've got the Chargers and Rams, and then a trip to Philadelphia. They've got a bye week in there as well. Between a trip to San Francisco and a trip to Philadelphia, 
those are the indicators of who the Cowboys are. Because let's face it, the Cowboys could be 13-4 and four this year. And they might be the third best team of their own conference. They might be the second best team of their own division. So I'm just not ready to get ahead of myself with the Cowboys because every year this happens. A good start leads everybody with preseason expectations to start believing that this is the year and then something goes kablooey later on in the season and beating the Giants the way that they did and beating the Jets minus Aaron Rodgers, these are not great indicators yet. Now, the turnovers, the defense, Micah, etc. Hey, they can play D. And whether it's the Giants or Jets or somebody else, but you've got to also beat really good teams. And I just once again sense that everybody is just assuming this is the Cowboys' greatness, being 30 to 40 points better than teams. Nah, 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 nah. The Giants laid the biggest, stinkiest turd ever, and then you played Zach Wilson. Everyone's going to kill Zach Wilson. We cannot extrapolate from that. Oh, see, the Cowboys, they're just as good as we thought. Hey, you beat bad teams and you beat them badly. Great. But that's that doesn't tell us whether you're better than the Niners, the Eagles, or you're ready for a deep playoff run yet. This has nothing to do yet with whether the Cowboys can get it done when it matters in January. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227 or on Twitter, DA on CBS. I've heard a lot of people say that Dion's going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And I think some people say it laughingly and some people say it seriously. I'm not going to go there yet. And I think there's a couple of reasons why I think that's very premature and or inaccurate. Number one, if the Dallas Cowboys are, again, a 12, a 13, a 14-win team this year, even if they flame out in the playoffs, would Jerry fire Mike McCarthy after three consecutive 12-plus win seasons? I mean, this is almost worst-case scenario where the Cowboys are probably going to be pretty good but may flame out again in January. And then you're faced with a really difficult decision. You have all of this great regular season success three years in a row. And yet, does it matter? And is Jerry Jones going to pull the trigger? A guy that kept Chan Gailey around and Dave Campo around and Jason Garrett around. He's really going to fire the guy that went 12 wins, 12 wins, and 13 wins or something? That's the first part. The second part is, is it a premier prestige job? Of course, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Dion has roots, played in Dallas, knows Jerry well, Cowboys hero. But what Dion is doing right now, to me, is specific to kids. That's the magic with Dion right now. He's selling to kids. And in college, you sell. You sell to recruits, you sell to recruits' families, you sell to boosters and donors. 
A college football coach is a salesman, okay? In my job, what I do, if we made a call and we're lucky enough to have a pretty good visibility within the industry, popular around the country, a lot of affiliates, if we make a call to a sports information director this week and say, hey, we'd like your coach on, if we can't get that coach on, we get an email back or a call back. Hey, sorry, we can't do this. Let's set something up later in the season, but let's try in the off season or when we have an off week. And if we just request enough, we get plenty of college football coaches around here wanting to come on. We can send an email to every single NFL team every day of the season and go over a one-on-one with an NFL head coach. Because NFL head coaches don't have to sell. They have a finite amount of media responsibilities, and then they don't want to do anything else because they don't have to do anything else. They don't want to do one-on-ones. They want to do one press conference for everybody, assembled media, and then they're done, and they're in there watching film and practice and whatever. College coaches have to sell. you got to get your voice out. you got to get your brand out. Dion's magic is the sale. He's interesting. He's cool. He's counterculture. He's non-traditional. All of those things. He's brash. That's his magic. And he's connecting to kids and kids' families. You don't have to do any of that in the NFL. The NFL is scheme. The NFL is X's and O's and scheme. Everybody's got good talent. You're in the NFL. You're not recruiting. Yeah, there's a few free agents that you go out and try to get, but really you're locked into salary cap restrictions and what your owner wants to do or what your GM wants to do, and he's not going to be the GM or the owner in Dallas, obviously. It's a draft, so you just kind of take best available players. I don't think Dion's a fit at all in the NFL. What he's doing in college is college-specific. Now, he could probably do this anywhere he wants in college. I don't think that this is specific to Colorado or Jackson State or anything like that. I think he can. this is transferable from school to school to school. But I don't think it's transferable to the NFL. So I would hesitate once again on speculation that, oh, after the season, they're going to fire Mike McCarthy and Dion's going to take over, or Dion's headed for the NFL at some point in time. Dion's smart enough, smarter like a fox, to know his shtick works when he's selling to 18 and 19 year olds or transfer portal kids and their moms and dads. That's what's working. When we come back here on the show, Justin Fields taking blame. Matt Eberflus taking blame. The front office taking blame. Who's to blame in Chicago for Fields' lack of growth? It's next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Cookie Monster, good morning. Well, you'll see. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's DA on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you, Cookie Monster, for joining us. And the rest of the DA aliens out there this morning on a final Wednesday. You can always listen to the show, podcast form, the best of the show, or the full four hours. Check it out. Search The DA Show everywhere you get your podcasts. Justin Fields just has not come along the way that Bears fans were hoping, nor the Bears were hoping. And coming into this season, he understood the offense. They'd given him some weapons. They had traded for Chase Claypool full season. They had felt as though this was a year of growth for Justin Fields and that we were going to see a different version of the young QB and nobody doubts his physical abilities. They were on display throughout his collegiate career and certainly dynamic with his legs, big arm, great athlete, Justin Fields. The package seems like it should work in today's NFL. He seems to want it. He seems to care. He seems to put in the work. And last season, certainly made some strides through for 17 touchdowns against just 11 interceptions. So was a plus six touchdown to interception ratio. Also last season ran for 1,100 yards. So when you combine that with his passing numbers, he had about 3,400 yards of offense and 25 touchdowns. That's good stuff, right? Year two, Bears weren't very good. This was year three where you could really start believing. And in week number one against the Packers, they got blown out. And Jordan Love looked like the real deal instead of Justin Fields. And then week two, wearing those garish orange uniforms in Tampa Bay, they somehow lose to a mediocre Buccaneer squad. And I don't care if Tampa Bay is 2-0. and They're not going to end up being a very good team this season. And when the game is on the line late, He throws a pass into the middle of the field for a two-minute drill with his back against his own goal line for a pick six back the other way, and that seals the game. And there is just not enough 
to really believe this thing is trending in the right direction. Now, it's two weeks where the NFL is such a monster that everybody overreacts over the first two weeks, and this is great, and this is awful, this guy's a bum, this guy's a star. Look what's happening in Dallas. This is finally their Super Bowl team. They've beaten the Giants on a blocked field goal and a pick six, and they've beaten Zach Wilson. Who cares? But there is reason to wonder if Justin Fields is ever going to get it. And I think that it's early this season, and if the Bears end up going 8-9 and nine this season and Justin Fields ends up having a great last two months of the year, you could probably say, okay, it might take him an extra year to get going, but we feel okay. The problem is, I think between the ears, Justin Fields is scrambled. No one's going to doubt that this guy can run around the, the field and make a play if he was fl- playing loose and free. But I think the train has started to move past that station Now there's pressure on him every single week to be better, to grow more, and to win. And because he's trying so hard to do it, and because maybe the the Bears organization is not supporting him with a good offensive head coach or the right pieces around him, that he's getting down on himself. But I also think, forget even just the... Is this the right spot for me? Am I am I ever going to win here? What am I doing wrong? Beyond all that, if you just take the football, just the strict football, Justin Fields thinks too much on the field. He's not playing instinctually. There's a couple of plays against Tampa Bay where he takes a pass, drops back, and he doesn't go through reads. He's like locked on a receiver, waiting for it to get open. He's not going and progressing through his reads. He's not seeing open guys. He just seems like very robotic or he's not playing with any type of confidence or fluidity. And I just wonder if there's an element of this that has unfortunately afflicted a lot of great college football quarterbacks where When you're in college, athletically, you're so much better. You're superior to so many of the people that you're playing against. And Justin Fields, obviously, is an incredibly gifted athlete that he's a little faster, he's a little better, has a better arm. You know, and his wide receivers are six yards to 10 yards open anyway. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, boop, touchdown. And now we lead Purdue by 30 points. You get to the NFL and Everything's condensed. You feel like you're playing in the middle of a hailstorm in a phone booth. And it's just too fast for you to get through your progressions. And it starts eating itself where you have one bad game and then the next game looks even faster. And then maybe you have a good game, but then the next two games look faster and faster. You play a good defense and there's a guy you never saw coming out of your blind side, and there's a defensive coordinator who's got t- tape on you, and then suddenly you know, the whole thing starts rolling downhill. I think Kyler Murray has hit this. Kyler Murray is so fast that in college he could just run by everybody and make a play. And in the NFL, what's been his bread and butter? I'll just run faster than the other guys and figure it out. 
And he's admitted that. He doesn't really like watching tape. He doesn't like watching film. It's why the Cardinals installed that clause in his contract. He wasn't studying because being so physically gifted at so many levels of football, and of course, Kyler Murray is an amazing athlete. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick in Major League Baseball as well, that, you know, you can get by for a while, and you can succeed to a great degree, and then you get to the NFL and things are really fast. I mean, Micah Parsons is hunting you down. Aaron Donald's hunting you down. Nick Bosa's hunting you down. That ain't, and that's every week. In college, you might face one or two of those guys a year. And I just think that Justin Fields is caught thinking way too much and not processing correctly, and it's just making him frozen. And maybe they have told him, you know, use your legs less, don't expose yourself to too much pounding. But, I, you know, I went back and watched the Bears tape from this past week, and I'm like, this does not look a guy look like a guy in year three. This looks like a guy that's still stuck in year one. And maybe he's overloaded with information or whatever, but he's not getting it. It's not just that the offensive line's not good enough or his wide receivers aren't good enough or Ibrahim isn't good enough. Those might be part of the problem. But the, but the issue, when he takes a snap and is under center, and I think any Bears fan would agree with this, he is not out there confidently making plays. He's back there thinking, what am I supposed to do here? What's supposed to break open here? Can I get the football there? And Justin Fields isn't ever going to win that way. Never. None of these guys can. And I think that guys that process really quickly or play with confidence within a system, you know, I bring up Sam Howell. Eric Bieniemy could be a huge reason here why. So I want to give credit to the coaching staff and maybe take some credit away or criticize the Bears coaching staff. But you watch Sam Howell on Sunday in Denver. I mean, the guy plays with confidence. Say what you want, but he's like, this is my read here. This is the play here. This is where it's designed to go. If this isn't open, I go here. I take this shot then. He's not perfect, but he's certainly running an offense with the understanding this is what I'm supposed to see. Bop, 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 bop. Fields has none of that. None of that right now. And it's very alarming because we're now into year three. And it's okay if you lose games. The Bears don't have to be great this year. I mean, they could be a 6-11 and 11 team. But Justin Fields can't look like he doesn't understand what's going on in the football field in season three. And that's why I keep coming back with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson can't process. I'm sorry. Zach Wilson, whatever that thing is between his ears, ain't much of a brain. Because he drops back to pass and is in immediate frightened mode. He looks like he's going to a haunted house every time he takes a snap. <laughs> Chuck it. <laughs> Zach Wilson's in year number three. They say the game should slow down by then. It's faster than ever for Zach Wilson. I mean, I hate to say it, I don't think he's very bright. And if it's not that, if he's like book smart, he's not football smart. He's going out there making the same exact mistakes that he has made the previous two years, the same exact mistakes. He's not processing. Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. Why? Dude processes. Boom, 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 boom. Zach Wilson? No. Mm -mm. He didn't have it. And that's why, you know, you, you keep waiting and hoping. Yeah. You know, it's like 
if the kid wasn't in honors in ninth grade, is he suddenly going to get a National Honor Society 12th grade? Yeah, there's some exceptions. You work a little harder. You weren't applying yourself. Better tutor, tutoring. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of see it. Zach Wilson ain't got it. And I think Justin Fields is slipping away from being a guy that can get it. Maybe, maybe, but it's it's certainly not there yet. Standing by with the headlines, it's a kind sir, Mr. Andrew Bogus. A.B., good morning. D.A., good morning. Headline sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We all saw Saquon Barkley twist his ankle Sunday in Arizona. We were all told on Monday he'd have a three-week absence with an ankle sprain. That would begin with tomorrow night's contest against the Niners in Santa Clara. But head coach Brian Dable keeping the door open to Barkley playing this week. I'm not saying that he's out yet. He's... He's a quick healer. Um, I'm not saying he's in, he's out. We're going to take it all the way up with him uh, to, to Thursday, but he feels a lot better today. Um, I just I just talked to him, so we'll see We'll see where we're at. I guess making the Niners think about Barkley and not Matt Breida is worth uh, playing some games here from Big Blue. Uh, the Browns still have not officially diagnosed Nick Chubb's left knee injury from the night in Pittsburgh. But Chubb already had surgery yesterday. Head coach Kevin Stefanski confirming Jerome Ford is now his starter after 106 yards on the ground and a receiving score against the Steelers. And the Lions placing defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson on IR. Yesterday, the fear is he suffered a season-ending torn peck in Sunday's loss to the Seahawks. Shoei Otani had surgery yesterday for his elbow injury. It was not Tommy John. Doctors expect Otani to be ready to DH by opening day and to pitch again in 2025. His Angels, 6-2 losers in Tampa Bay last night. The Rays gained no ground, though, in the AL East. Hayes into left field. It's deep. It's back. It's toward the Crawford box, and it's gone. A three-run shot for Austin Hayes, and the Orioles lead 5-2. First of two Austin Hayes homers on Orioles radio. Baltimore a 9-5 win in Houston, keeping that two-and-a-half game edge on the Rays. The Astros, however, are now just a half game better than the Rangers and the Mariners in the, in the AL West. Texas beat Boston last night 6-4. Seattle a 7-2 win in Oakland. The Diamondbacks topped the Giants 8-4. The Cubs smoked the Pirates 14-1. And the Marlins squeaked past the Mets 4-3. So Arizona remains in the second NL wildcard spot. A half game up on Chicago. Miami stays a half game behind the Cubs for that last spot. WNBA playoffs last night. The Wings hammered the Dream 101-74. And the Liberty outlasted the Mystics 90-85 at overtime. Those are two game sweeps. New York reaching the semifinals for the first time in eight seasons. And finally, Dartmouth football coach Buddy Tevens passed away yesterday, six months after a bike accident in Florida. He was just 66 years old. Tevens, the winningest coach in program history, winning five Ivy League crowns. DA, back to you. Man, baseball-wise, Bogues, who are you most interested in watching down the stretch here, final two weeks of the regular season? Uh, the AOS is pretty ridiculous because it was the Rangers for a long time. Astros made a push, had a little bit of a gap. Now they have choked that up. And all three teams 
are really good. I think all three teams are capable of winning the American League altogether. Mm. And they're all going to get in. It's just how we line up and who then going to get we might lose very very early. Uh but those three teams, Seattle, Texas, and Houston, all legit contenders and and hope at least two of them right now playing good baseball. Do you think it's a big disadvantage to be the wild card? Yeah, I think any any extra games, any use of your pit your aces is is a tough Makes it tougher. So you're not buying into the momentum, get in, win a series, you got some juice behind you. No, I would always prefer to be one of those top two seeds now in this format and have to wait on a winner. I'll take the week off. I'll have one less start from my main guys, maybe two less starts from my main guys. That's to me, is the bigger the bigger help. We are on in the Pacific Northwest. So you're telling me that you believe the Mariners could win the American League. I think the Mariners have the starting pitching and just enough hitting to accomplish that, yes. I think they're lined up in terms of who, how it could get done. If I'm picking the three of them, they're lined up correctly right now. Houston, Texas, Seattle. But I think the Mariners are a legit team and a legit danger. With an extra tier of playoffs, do you think it's still necessary to play 162? Um, I mean, you could do 154, but that's just, what's is there is eight games that much of a difference? You're not going to go any lower than that. Well, it's a little bit more than a week if you do eight games yeah. less. Um, so it would be wrapping up next week instead of the week and a half after. Right. Um, it doesn't, I don't, I don't see that much of a difference. No, I don't think it's worth, I don't think the, I mean, the calendar's already spread out. Um, I don't think losing a week of regular season games makes that much of a difference. It just feels to me like September gets totally lost in the sauce for baseball because football eclipses it. And it feels like it really starts dragging at this point where there's no urgency or drama like, oh, there's only X number of games left. It kind of feels like, okay, 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 kind of let's get to October. Sure, but but shaving off eight games is not going to change that. It's a little better. I mean, maybe it's one less or one more week, one sooner week of paying attention to the playoffs. But again, I, I still think most of September is going to get lost in the shuffle of football. What about the real revolutionary idea to end the regular season around Labor Day and then September is your new postseason stretch? And then you'd be yelling about games being snowed out in March. Moving this, moving the season ahead. No, you don't add games, or you don't have the same. You just chop that whole month off. They, but they're, I mean, that's just not a thing. Like that's not a like. There's no way they're just going to lose all those gates for regular for regular season games. That's just not a thing. Well, would it be better? Um, if you had played a hundred and thirty-five game season, or hundred thirty-four. I mean, yeah. I, and you end on Labor Day, and then it's a real sprint. Summer is a sprint. Yeah, but people are still going to be picking football. You get to Labor Day. It's like, whoa, we got now regular season's over, and the playoffs begin September 1. Wow. And we're still watching college football. And then we're still watching NFL football on Sunday. So wah, now they're wah. no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm all for changing things, but they have to. They have to matter. And so all you're doing is redistributing where games are going to get overshadowed by football. Well, but I think that baseball postseason doesn't necessarily get overshadowed. I mean, of course, everything is under football, but October is still a thing for baseball. It's just that we have to kind of wait for a buffer month to get to October, you know? Yeah, like September feels very meaningless in baseball these days. I, I mean, I guess it does to us because the games don't matter for the teams that we care about. But, I mean, I, th I think the teams who are, there's like five teams 
looking for a National League wild card right now and four teams in the American League, I, I think they, they matter. But baseball, by and large, look at these. Look at the attendance in September, even with games of teams that are in. Yeah, it. but that's also factors in going back to school and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. And it, so, like, I, life happens. Like, right, life happens. I just, you're asking something that I think is completely improbable of just taking September off the table. Okay. So I can't like even let myself think about that because it's never going to happen. Now let me have you think about that. No. <laughs> no. No. And, uh, and again, <laughs> baseball has done a good job this year. Ratings, attendance, otherwise, before pre-September, there's been a lot of good numbers. Um, it always can be fixed, and I'm I'm listening. I just don't think that one of the ideas that could actually happen is just shaving 30 games off the regular season. Well, what happens if we took off the table? What if we played was, it in Mars? It was like, going to happen and just be like, would it be better? If, if we had to pitch it to Rob Manfred and say, hey, it might seem improbable, but if you're really looking to to doll up the sport, we think this is what's best. EJ, what do you think? I mean, this would probably be better. But for me, the big issue I would have is baseball is a game where we collect numbers in totality. So it's total number of home runs, total number of RBIs. The idea that you're going to go to a 130-game season yeah. and now all your home run races, like think about how Aaron Judge's race kind of just like captured a lot of the attention of the America. This season, even Matt Olson going plus 50 captured a lot of attention. Like you lose that Good as point. soon as you go to 130. Yep. And, and I do wonder when we talk about the historical context of the game, well, we lose so much by chopping off 30 games. You're I think right. we would lose a lot. That would be a big one. People would not want to to suddenly have, you know. RBI your, leader with 90, 90. RBI. Yeah, right. exactly. People would not like that. Yeah. You're right. No, I mean, the, the, the way to accomplish your thought would be to start March 1st instead of March 31st, which they're just not going to do because that would be a scheduling nightmare. Yeah, it would be very difficult. I just... And in March, we'd be watching college basketball, not the beginning of a baseball season. But not that important for America to miss the first month of baseball. I think it's tough because in every other sport, there does feel like a sprint to the finish line to get to the playoffs. And in baseball, because they've expanded the party, so many people get in, so many teams get in, and life starts happening again in September when it just so happens that's the timing of the stretch run, people go back to school, people go back to work, football begins, football is a monster the most important part of the regular season for this particular sport is just timed out really poorly. For football, it doesn't matter. We're all inside watching in December when the games matter most. In basketball, nobody's not watching, you know, the stretch run because it's April. It's it's a fine time that people will sit down and watch whatever. But it just so happens that baseball's timing is just really bad. And there's this romanticism around the stretch run, the pennant stretch. And, you know, it just it just so happens timing wise, it feels like when are we going to get through this? Let's get to October already. And I think if we're really going in the concept of what is the best absolute pie in the sky thing for baseball, when we talk about the first month having these weather issues, I mean, let's be real. We really should be having much more closed stadiums that can have indoor games. Oh, wow. So EJ and just I, wants wow. all domes. All I, and, domes. And my thing is, hey, leave it retractable. I'm not even saying it has to be domed stadiums completely, but it's 2023. 
I mean, I was actually thinking about it because we were talking about uh, 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 the Mets pitcher. Um, uh, well, I can't remember his name. The uh, Japanese uh, Kodai Senga. Senga. Yeah, I don't know why I forgot his name. Anyway, Senga, and like the uh, one of the issues he had to get over was this idea of rain delays. Like he never dealt with rain delays because oh, Japan, the Japanese league they, didn't have they, any open stadiums. They're pretty much all domes. Oh wow! So even like the idea of playing double headers, being at a ballpark for eight hours, which is not something he even was he ever done. And it was like, wow, that's crazy. That's something that I didn't even think about. And Japan, of course, they have weather as well, but that's something they don't even deal with. EJ wants to put a roof on Fenway, wants to put a retractable on Wrigley. He just wants to blow the whole thing up, folks. What are your thoughts on grass versus turf while we're on the subject of <laughs> I'm all grass, by the way. Okay, all, all grass. Very big on grass on that. Complete front. dome stadium, but all grass inside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, very good. When we come back here on the show, we've got a champ and we've got a chump. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Only one letter separates them, but they're galaxies apart. One is a true winner. One is a pathetic loser. This is DA's Champ or Chump. All right, college football-wise, your champ is Miami tight end Cam McCormick. Cam McCormick is 25 years old. And Cam McCormick has petitioned the NCAA for a ninth year of eligibility. He began his career with Oregon in 2016. Note that he spent the first seven years of college at Oregon. Now he's at Miami and looking for a ninth year of eligibility. Cam McCormick redshirted in 2016, played in 2017, Broke his ankle in 2018 because of repercussions and complexities from that broken ankle. Missed all of 2019 and 2020. Played in 2021 but tore his Achilles. And then last year, finally got on the field for all 13 games. Caught 10 passes. Was very efficient. Three touchdowns with those 10 passes caught for 66 yards. Then transferred to Miami this year. And is petitioning for a, a ninth year. Most of us spend two or four years in college. Cam's already at eight and looking for nine. If you want some perspective and context, Cam McCormick committed to Oregon during the Obama presidency. <laughs> <laughs> It's the ninth year. Give it to him. Let's see how long this can go. Can he be playing tight end in college football until he's 30, maybe? How do we get this thing done that Cam McCormick is catching passes in college football as he's middle-aged? Can we, can we get there? He's in his eighth season in college football, and he wants the ninth. NCAA, give it to him. Cam McCormick is your champ. EJ, you were nodding your head. You've heard of Cam McCormick. Of course, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. So I've heard about this story. And look, he's heard the maybe the U's back at 3-0. and He wants to jump on the bandwagon. Why not? He'd be the first uh, <laughs> tight end at Miami with, uh, you know, an AARP card. <laughs> your chumps on the week. Oh, no. East Carolina. East Carolina is 0-3. They could be the worst team in college football. They are 0-3 following double-digit losses to Marshall and App State 
ECU has yet to reach 300 yards of offense this season. They haven't gotten to 300 yards of offense yet this season. Mike Houston, at least put together a day where you can put together 300 yards of offense. East Carolina, the chumps. That's DA's chump. Class is now dismissed. And they're lucky. They're lucky because they might not have even been mentioned this morning. I was leaning toward the UB Bulls of Buffalo after they got beat by Fordham by Bogus's Fordham Rams as the FCS Rams hung 40 on Buffalo. But I, I figured, you know what? We'll aim at East Carolina. Not that I take any glee in this, but they're really, really bad. A lot to get to this morning here on the show. You guys know I'm all about this incredible scam of taking taxpayer dollars for billionaire owners and building stadiums and arenas and ballparks with it. I hate the fact that it's happening in Oakland with the A's and that that's the reason quote-unquote, that John Fisher is going to move a team after 60 years in the Bay because he doesn't get enough taxpayer money. Dude, your parents made the gap. I think you got the cash if you wanted to make a ballpark. I think. You might. I don't know. Like, everybody in America has a T-shirt or a pair of khakis from the gap. I think you should probably be able to build your own ballpark, but... I'm not going to talk A's coming up here next. We're going to talk Jacksonville Jaguars. As the residents of Jacksonville have a stadium plan in front of them, and they're like, eh, I don't know. It's next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.